Welcome to Lit Poetry, the podcast where we go on a journey of discovery, reading, analyzing, and discussing great poetry from around the world. Poetry is worth it because the reading and writing of poetry is a revolutionary act that has the potential to transform both the reader and our world. The wind is blowing a dark, disturbing song across the streets of the city's dead heart tonight. You're walking alone. It's close to midnight and as you pass through the city square, you look up and watch the seconds hand on the big public clock count down to 12 to usher in another rather unremarkable new day. Invisible stars in the night sky crowded out by the city's bright lights, cannot guide your lonely steps tonight. You feel lost and bewildered within this concrete wasteland of broken dreams, and you're troubled by the memories and the events of the last few weeks. On nights like these, you simply feel out of step with everything around you. So you stop. You sit down on a deserted park bench, Take a deep breath and you listen. Then you hear it. There's a voice on the wind. A thick, mellow voice of both wonder and decay. Welcome to the Lit Poetry Podcast Season 3 and the poem Rhapsody on a Windy Night by T.S. Eliot, read by Morgan Freeman. Welcome to this poem that is both an exploration of time, purpose and meaning. Rhapsody on a windy night. Twelve o'clock. Along the reaches of the street, held in a lunar synthesis, whispering lunar incantations dissolve the floors of memory and all its clear relations, its divisions and precisions. Every street lamp that I pass beats like a fatalistic drum, and through the spaces of the dark, midnight shakes the memory as a madman shakes a dead geranium. Half past one. The street lamp sputtered. The street lamp muttered. The street lamp said, Regard that woman who hesitates towards you in the light of the door, which opens on her like a grin. You see the border of her dress is torn and stained with sand, and you see the corner of her eye twists like a crooked pin. The memory throws up high and dry a crowd of twisted things. A twisted branch upon the beach, eaten smooth and polished as if the world gave up the secret of its skeleton, stiff and white. A broken spring in a factory yard. Rust that clings to the form that the strength has left, hard and curled and ready to snap. Half past two, the street lamp said, Remark the cat which flattens itself in the gutter, slips out its tongue and devours a morsel of rancid butter. So the hand of a child, automatic, slipped out and pocketed a toy that was running along the quay. I could see nothing behind that child's eye. I have seen eyes in the street, trying to peer through lighted shutters and a crab one afternoon in a pool, an old crab with barnacles on his back ripped the end of a stick which I held him. Half past three. 
The lamp sputtered. The lamp muttered in the dark. The lamp hummed. Regard the moon. La lune, She winks a feeble eye. She smiles into corners. She smooths the hair of the grass. The moon has lost her memory. A washed out smallpox cracks her face. Her hand twists a paper rose that smells of dust and old cologne. She is alone, with all the old nocturnal smells that cross and cross across her brain. The reminiscence comes of sunless dry geraniums and dust in crevices, smells of chestnuts in the streets, and female smells in shuttered rooms, and cigarettes in corridors, and cocktail smells in bars. The lamp said, four o'clock. Here is the number on the door. Memory. You have the key. The little lamp spreads a ring on the stair. Mount. The bed is open. The toothbrush hangs on the wall. Put your shoes at the door. Sleep. Prepare for life. The last twist of the knife. So I want to start our exploration of this truly haunting and mesmerizing poem by discussing the historical context. Rhapsody on a Windy Night is one of Eliot's earliest poems and was published in his first collection in 1917. In many ways, the subject matter of this poem can be traced back to Eliot's time as an emerging poet when he was studying in Paris and attending the lectures of the philosopher Henry Bergson who was known for exploring the connections between human experiences of memory and the passage of time. And this theme, of course, is of central importance to our discussion of today's poem. It should be noted here that Eliot was also deeply influenced by his reading of the French symbolists, Dante, W.B. Yeats, and the metaphysical poets such as John Donne. Taken together, these intellectual and literary influences on the early career of Eliot helped to shape him into one of the leading modernist writers of his generation. And as a modernist poet, some of the hallmarks of his poetry include such things as a rejection of strict poetic forms and metres, an emphasis on subjective experience, and the use of an unreliable, irrational narrator, and Of course, all of these literary features are on display in this particular poem. Added to this, it is important to point out that Rhapsody on a Windy Night was written at the start of the First World War, a conflict which was to have a devastating effect on the entire world. Indeed, World War I called into question just how much human progress had been made in a world following on from the Enlightenment and scientific revolutions of past centuries. In light of the carnage of World War I, the scale of death and destruction seemed to suggest that human barbarity, rather than progress, was climbing to new heights within society. In reaction to the unfolding chaos of this war and the apparent disintegration of society, modernists like Eliot started to recognise the emergence of deep anxieties in the early 20th century communities they belonged to. 
there seemed to be a moral decay taking root in these 20th century societies, and it was spreading the experience of alienation and confusion amongst individual members. It is within an atmosphere of such concerns that Eliot writes Rhapsody on a Windy Night. Welcome back. When thinking about the title of this poem, it is important to note that the word rhapsody historically refers to part of an epic poem that is suitable for reciting. The word rhapsody comes from the Greek word rhapsodius, which means a person who recites epic poems, and whose root word is rhapston, meaning to stitch. In addition, a rhapsody refers to a musical piece noted for its improvisational nature and irregular form. In light of this definition, we can see how Eliot was thus creating his own rhapsody as an attempt to stitch together elements of this particular poem using improvisational methods. The word rhapsody is thus a very appropriate word that Eliot has made use of within the title of this poem. After all, the poetic form of rhapsody on a windy night is itself epic in nature and highly irregular in form, which in turn mimics the poem's sense of instability and the speaker's seeming lack of control over his life. It's also useful to note here that Rhapsody on a Windy Night is written in free verse and does not make use of regular metre or rhythm. This helps the reader get an even deeper sense of the speaker's unstable state of mind. Added to this, when one considers the rhymes within the poem, one is struck by their seemingly haphazard and irregular use. Rhapsody on a Windy Night does not have a defined rhyme scheme, yet it does make use of occasional rhymes. In the early lines, for example, there are four words that end in shon, incantations, relations, divisions, and precisions. And as this section discusses incantations, or in other words, spells, the effect of the rhyme here is to make the lines sound like they're actually casting a kind of magical spell on the reader's mind. There is also a rhyme between line 9 and line 12 with the word drum and geranium. Now, given that the drum beat is described as fatalistic and that a madman is described as shaking the geranium, the rhyme between these words links the idea of madness to the idea of fate hinting at the increasingly tortured state of the speaker's mind as the poem progresses. One of the other obvious rhymes in the poem occurs between the words sputtered and muttered in lines 14 and 15, which creates a rhyming couplet that that almost feels childlike. This rhyme highlights the fantastical event of the street lamp coming to life and talking, and the rhyme basically helps to mark these lines as something that might be found in a fairy tale or nursery rhyme. But perhaps the most dramatic rhyme of all comes in the last two lines of the poem. Across the tense pause of the stanza break, life is rhymed with knife. Conceptually, this links life with violence and death. The preceding lines describe the small, menial actions that the speaker will need to go through to continue living from moment 
to moment. But the suddenness of the last line casts doubt on whether this will ever happen. The rhyme helps the poem end on a dramatic twist, with no indication as to whether this is a literal or imaginative action, and what its implications for the speaker actually are. In this final segment of the podcast, I want to discuss some of the underlying themes of the poem, starting with the theme of meaning, purpose and control. Rhapsody on a Windy Night describes the poem's speaker travelling down a road after dark. The moonlight transforms the world into a scary and disturbing place, and the speaker's thoughts become troubled as memories rise randomly to the surface. No longer protected by daylight, the darkness reveals the speaker to be in a state of existential crisis over questions of meaning, agency and purpose in his or her life. The speaker makes their way across a moonlit city vista full of the kind of objects one would typically expect. Cats, street lamps, windows and things like that. But the nighttime warps the reality turning these same objects strange and even threatening. The street lamps beat like fatalistic drums. The cat laps up rancid butter, and the only other person that's around looks at the speaker with a crooked gaze. The speaker travels through a landscape bent out of shape, in the sense that things don't behave normally. Their state of being is twisted as though a layer of chaos has been added over everything in the dark. The street lamp even begins to talk directly to the speaker through Elliot's use of personification. The fact that this inanimate object suddenly has a kind of consciousness upsets the order of the world and acts to draw out various memories in the speaker's mind. Importantly, these memories are tied to a sense of alienation, decay and dysfunction. The speaker describes a branch that has been weathered smooth by life and now has the appearance of bone, a spring so rusty and stiff that it's about to snap and dried up flowers. These items have decayed past their functionality. The branch is leafless, the spring useless. The flowers can no longer pollinate or create a pleasant aroma. The fact that these are the images that the speaker thinks about points to the speaker's own sense of existential crisis, of meaning and purpose. The speaker too has perhaps been eaten smooth by the march of time. The speaker also grows into an awareness that he or she isn't in control of their life as memories get increasingly thrown up before them. And indeed, his or her actions often seem to be directed by the environment itself. Take the lamp, for instance, that tells the speaker what to do. Memories, meanwhile, are like dead flowers. Tokens of past experiences that will never truly return in the flesh. Midnight shakes the memory, causing elements of it to break loose and rush forth of their own accord. Yet just as the madman cannot bring the flowers back to life, the speaker cannot relive these memories, unable to return to a time when life have far more meaning 
As dark as Rhapsody on a Windy Night is, it nevertheless captures the dreariness and hopelessness of life in the modern world, the constant attempts to withdraw from reality, to not face it, the constant attempts to settle for cheap thrills and fleeting moments of excitement that quickly fade. I believe it was Ralph Waldo Emerson who suggested that most people lead lives of quiet desperation. Rhapsody on a Windy Night beautifully and tragically shows just what that desperation looks like. So it's time for me to say goodbye. I really hope you enjoyed this week's poem by T.S. Eliot. Before we head off, I just want to remind all our listeners out there that a fantastic video of this poem is also available on our YouTube channel. Season 3 has an incredible line of poems coming your way and we're really looking forward to the work ahead. We really hope that you continue to tune into the program in the weeks to come. And of course, if you'd like to show support for our work, we'd love it if you would subscribe to the show. Subscriptions are free and they really encourage us in the work that we are doing. We'll finish by listening to the poem one last time. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week. Rhapsody on a Windy Night 12 o'clock Along the reaches of the street Held in a lunar synthesis Whispering lunar incantations dissolve the floors of memory and all its clear relations, its divisions and precisions. Every street lamp that I pass beats like a fatalistic drum and through the spaces of the dark, midnight shakes the memory as a madman shakes a dead geranium. Half past one, the street lamp sputtered. The street lamp muttered. The street lamp said, Regard that woman who hesitates towards you in the light of the door, which opens on her like a grin. You see the border of her dress is torn and stained with sand, and you see the corner of her eye twists like a crooked pin. The memory throws up high and dry a crowd of twisted things, a twisted branch upon the beach, eaten smooth and polished as if the world gave up the secret of its skeleton, stiff and white. A broken spring in a factory yard. Rust that clings to the form that the strength has left. Hard and curled and ready to snap. Half past two. The street lamp said, Remark the cat which flattens itself in the gutter, slips out its tongue and devours a morsel of rancid butter. So the hand of a child, automatic, slipped out and pocketed a toy that was running along the quay. I could see nothing behind that child's eye. I have seen eyes in the street, trying to peer through lighted shutters, and a crab one afternoon in a pool, an old crab with barnacles on his back, ripped the end of a stick which I held him. Half past three, the lamp sputtered, the lamp muttered in the dark. The lamp hummed, regarded the moon, la lune. 
She winks a feeble eye. She smiles into corners. She smooths the hair of the grass. The moon has lost her memory. A washed-out smallpox cracks her face. Her hand twists a paper rose that smells of dust and old cologne. She is alone. With all the old nocturnal smells that cross and cross across her brain, the reminiscence comes of sunless dry geraniums and dust in crevices, smells of chestnuts in the streets, and female smells in shuttered rooms, and cigarettes in corridors, and cocktail smells in bars. The lamp said, four o'clock. Here is the number on the door. Memory. You have the key. The little lamp spreads a ring on the stair. Mount. The bed is open. The toothbrush hangs on the wall. Put your shoes at the door. Sleep. Prepare for life. The last twist of the knife. You've been listening to the Lit Poetry Podcast. Presented by James Laidler. For more podcasts, poetry videos, and other useful resources, visit our website at www.litpoetry.com. Thanks for listening.